Good morning. Hey everyone. You're listening to Define Beauty. And this is Kimber. And I'm Dee Dee. So, Dee Dee, you are headed to Europe in just a couple of days, which I'm super jealous about. Where are I'm, you going? I'm so excited. We're flying into Rome and we're heading out the next day to Amalfi Coast per your recommendation. Your life will change. Yeah. We'll stay there for a few nights and then we're heading to Paris. I'm super excited. I lived in France five years ago as a nanny. So I'm so excited to go back to France for the first time since then. It feels like my second home, kind of. Then we're just heading back to Italy, spending a day in Florence, and back to Rome, where we'll head out of. I'm actually feeling a lot of anxiety about what to pack. And I know, obviously, you travel all the time, so I was hoping you could give me and the audience some tips for beauty and fashion on the go. Ooh, So the best advice I've ever been given, which I have taken, is first of all, before any trip, try to get as much rest as you can. And I know that sounds really silly because everyone's trying to cram everything in that they can, but um, you've worked really hard for this trip and your vacation. So rest up because you're going to be in a different time zone. So that's my first piece of advice. But along with that... I feel like we always assume that because we're going to a warm climate or somewhere by the beach that we just pack warm everything. And I would say no matter where you go, um, you don't have to pack a parka, but um, (laughs) (laughs) always pack something that you could wear in like a cooler evening environment. So I always remember like dark skinny jeans go with everything and that's my go-to whether I'm in Southern California in July or I'm going to like a really cool climate Park City, Utah for a Sundance Film Festival. That's always my go-to. Another go-to for me is something like a black top, like a black turtleneck goes with everything. I can dress it up, I can dress it down, it goes with a lot or like a black sweater dress always is is a go-to thing no matter what climate you're in so those are my three staple items that i pack shameless plug my favorite place that i've ever been is rio de janeiro you think like beachy copacabana all of those things which it was it was everything incredible that i thought it would be but all of those items came in handy for for that vacation as well so I would just remember your essential items and then you can build off of those. Cool. You're going to have so much fun. Yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you for the tips. Have so much fun. Do you want to tell us a little bit about our guest today? Yes, so we have Nineveh Manson. I met Nineveh. She was a client of mine when I was doing lash extensions. She was one of those clients that came in that instantly I was like, this girl is a girl boss. And we started talking. She was a news anchor for a local news channel. And the news channels anywhere are a little bit of a boys club. And she's disrupted her market there. So she takes us on our journey from how she went from an esthetician to a high-powered news anchor to then running a female-empowered magazine 
to now being an executive at a tech company. And I think she leaves a lot of really great advice for those women in business that are looking to climb. Yes, she will light a fire under your ass and inspire you to go after what you want. That's true. She's super empowering. I'm really excited for you to hear her story. Enjoy. This is Nineveh Madsen. Hi. So I actually don't even remember how we met exactly, but when I was doing lashes, you were referred to me. Do you remember by who? Tiana. Tiana. Okay, that's right. Tiana. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm pretending like I know her, but I don't. (laughs) I love her. I wish I knew her. And so yeah, you came to me and I did your lashes and truly was infatuated by you because you have this amazing story as a news broadcaster, but also just badass woman in business. So I was really excited to meet you. Oh, you're so sweet. I remember those days. Uh, You, I mean, goodness, lash empire now, right? Back in the day, you, you would come over to my then boyfriend's condo yes it was right before you got married just right there you know on the couch on the couch yep i love like now there's no way i could ever get kim to do my lashes now i mean she's just you know she actually did my first set of lashes ever sure but you can't get a standing appointment with her you wouldn't want a standing appointment with me right now actually i'm so i'm like rusty (laughs) in the lash department (laughs) that's okay we we have some good experts Mm -hmm. now i remember just all the chats i had with you about being a woman broadcaster and your whole story but you have a beauty background as well and i felt this instant connection and even through the years of you know being a lash artist and your career progression and then what's happened here at Borboletta, like I've loved continuing to connect with you still on social media. You're sweet. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I'm excited. So we have we have a couple of questions for you. First of all, who's your current girl crush? Okay, so current girl crush is Sally Krawcheck. I didn't want to butcher her last name. But she's the CEO and co-founder of Elevest, and she is disrupting uh, the way women invest in their retirement, in their future, and I, I think it's a really important you know, mission to have. Cool. Because when you look at the landscape of women and making money and you know, making that transition from becoming stay-at-home moms and into the workforce, women need different support than men do. And they also aren't fully educated about things like retirement and how do I buy my own home? Because typically we've relied on men when I say typically, right? Mm -hmm. We've relied on men to provide those things for us. And so even going into the workforce with that mentality can also keep you ignorant about, you know, what it is that you should be doing in terms of your future retirement or investments like what kind of investments should you be making how should you be growing your money instead of just thinking about the now but thinking about your long-term wealth right Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really important cause so yeah I'm excited to see where her company goes I know she just uh, raised more VC funding so cool that's super cool yeah Next question. What is a must-have beauty product for you right now? Oh, must-have beauty product. Well, because I suffered from acne, I always can't, I can't go anywhere without a little foundation. 
So oh, I love foundation. It's yeah, like yeah. that feeling of having flawless skin is addicting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what foundation are you using? Because your makeup looks amazing, by the way. Thank always you. does, though. Oh, well, all Rose always lead back to Maybelline, which is no. crazy. Yes. Wait. From what? Walgreens. I know. But here's the thing. Hear Wait, me out. Wait, if you guys could see her makeup right now, you would never believe. No, no, no. But I, I mean, I have like NARS foundation and I have all the fancy stuff, right? Right. But for some reason this, and it was Tiana, by the way, that turned me on to this. She goes, pure beige, Maybelline from Walgreens. That is the, the best foundation for our skin tone. I am telling you, girl. So I said, okay, I'll go check it out. And it's just light. It's airy, but you can build on it. Wait, yes. so is Pure Beige the name of the... Just the name of the color that I use. What's the name of the foundation? Uh, Maybelline. Gosh, oh, I'm totally spacing it. But just any kind of foundation, We're okay, dying no to what. know. We must know. Yeah, I'm like, gosh. I'm looking at your skin and I'm like, that is the most amazing foundation ever. Yeah, but I'm I wear a lot like of other stuff. Because I'm sitting in my Mac Studio thick that's flying off my face currently, but... No, no, anyone no. So Anytime good. anyone tells me my skin looks good, I'm like, I'm wearing a lot of makeup, but thank you. I love makeup. So I've got, you know, foundation, a little bit of concealer on right now, some okay. blush, some eyeshadow, some mascara, some lipstick, some lip liner. Come on, some yeah. eyebrow It's fun. Filler. The whole the whole okay. shebang I every day. Maybelline foundation. I've Let me see the picture. There, you browse. That's the one. What this one right here? Liquid mousse. Liquid mousse. I feel like I've used that and I like it too. Let me see. I'm not joking you. So liquid mousse. Okay, that's gonna be my next one that I get. Literally, when I was putting on my foundation today, I was thinking I'm like I've got to go get an upgrade, but I don't know what to get. So. I'm going for the liquid mousse next time, Maybelline. And it's Walgreens? Walgreens, yeah. So That's I like to switch tip. back and forth, though. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I've got NARS as well, and I have Bobbi Brown stick, and it just depends on what kind of coverage I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. yeah. But sometimes you'll use the same foundation, and I swear it feels like after a month, you're like, oh, this doesn't look good anymore. Kind of like what you're totally. feeling right now. Yep. So yeah. I think you need to switch it up because I also then eventually go, well, I don't know about Dream Moose anymore. Let me try a new one. <laughs> you and just get bored. It's just maybe it, it's a mood thing. Reinventing your foundation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I go through periods where I love complete coverage so I don't have any pores and then sometimes I like more of a natural look yeah 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 so this is my natural look <laughs> beautiful I love flawless it. a lot of makeup do you how do you put it on beauty blender brush fingers really yeah I'm low maintenance for as high maintenance as I look <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Does that make sense when I say that? We always talk about that. Kinda. Like the more things that you do, the more low maintenance you become. Because you can just like roll out of bed and get things done and I don't know. Yeah. I get it. But you can look <laughs> high maintenance without being high maintenance. Yeah. Um, That's like the whole thing behind lash extensions. It seems very high maintenance to get those, but once you have them, your beauty routine becomes a lot more simple. Well, I'm at a stage in my life with the career that I have now where I literally need people to come to me. Yes, I <laughs> get I'm it. Because I'm a very busy woman. <laughs> so with a kid I have too. a housekeeper, I have a nanny, I'm going to need a personal assistant soon, I swear to God. So <laughs> Get one now. I promise you it'll change your life. Shout out to Mackenzie. <laughs> like Mackenzie. <laughs> um, so last question, guilty pleasure? Well, food, wine 
Mm-hmm. I mean, chocolate and wine. Guilty pleasure all the way. How Give us dark chocolate or milk chocolate. How sad does that sound? No, that sounds amazing. Chocolate and wine, that's sophisticated. It's sophisticated, but I love food. So I feel what? like I'd be 20 pounds lighter if I didn't eat like a man. I don't think you need a drug. to be 20 pounds lighter. I, honestly, I think I know so many girls who just wolf it down, you know, <laughs> including me. Yeah, oh no, I literally eat like my husband and he's 6'5". 250 pounds so i just mirror what he eats and i'm pretty sure he downs like 4,000 calories a day so i see your instagrams <laughs> with all of the like avocados egg whites all the healthy things yeah, that's so, right now because i had a baby about. a year ago and i'm going oh my gosh oh you just had a baby you know what it's like you're just trying to bounce back whatever yeah, that means anything you can do like give me that treadmill um <laughs> can't really so we just found out that you started in beauty i did so I would love for you to take us through your career journey, where you started to where you are now. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm going to try to be as concise about this as possible. So feel free to interrupt me. Great. (laughs) Uh, A quick background about myself. So I was born in Sweden. Oh, yes. Very cool. Did I forget or did I not know? No, I mean, I really (laughs) talk about it. My parents are Middle Eastern though. So that's my background. We came to the U.S. when I was six years old and we moved back and forth between Europe and the U.S. Until we settled in the Bay Area, Northern California. And when I graduated high school, I went to community college. I wasn't really feeling passionate about continuing my education and having to sit in that classroom setting and studying and doing tests. So totally. Yeah. I literally walked out of an English final and thought, I don't want to go to college anymore. I want to go to beauty school. Go you. Yeah. (laughs) And so many women do make that decision. Plus it was really economical too at the time. So Mm -hmm. I didn't have, you know, any kind of scholarships or family that could help me pay for school. So I thought this would be a good career path. Plus, as a teenager, I suffered with severe acne. So it's always really like passionate. all of us, right? Yes, yeah. I know. Ooh, yeah. I exactly. also got adult acne, which is oh, yeah. almost worse. That is tough. <laughs> no, I feel you. So it was really because I suffered with acne. And I was always really passionate about figuring out what products were Mm -hmm. working. So I decided to become an esthetician and makeup artist. So I became a licensed esthetician and worked at a really fancy spa in the Bay Area as my first job, which was very nice. And (laughs) yeah, I uh, was an esthetician for a couple years and makeup artist. So I, that's my background in terms of the beauty industry, which actually really helped me in my next career. And I feel like every decade I tend to reinvent myself. I like that. I get bored really easily. So same. I relate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's important to reinvent yourself though, whether it's within the same industry or whatever it may be, instead of staying stagnant in your life. It's like you're always ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Evolving, improving, and like creating the next version of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish at the time there was someone like Kimber, right? Because how amazing to have someone to look up to if you're working in the beauty industry. Mm-hmm. Back then, I mean, we're talking like 15 to 20 years ago almost when I was an esthetician. There really was, there was an Instagram. There wasn't yeah. Facebook. So you weren't, you know, exposed to these influencers that we see today that could have kept me going. Of mouth. Yeah, right, or even in just that like industry. So the I think connection. it's super important to have the connection that you guys as a company are creating to keep the women who've decided to, you know, jump into this territory to keep them inspired and empowered yeah. and 
and also for them to understand what the possibilities are. Because for me, why I stopped was I was in the job and it was that monotony, which I can't stand. Okay. I am always looking for growth and progression. So I got really bored, which looking at the meat industry, how could you get bored? But I didn't know where else to go from there yeah. because there was really no mentor, nobody to listen to on a podcast. What's your next step? Right. So I ended up, you know, leaving and going back to college, the same college where I had walked out of that English final. <laughs> like, I'm back. So I was dealing with a bad GPA. Hi, I'm back. It's me. Yeah, exactly. And then I uh, quickly, you know, ran through community college and transferred to a state university in the Bay Area and got passionate about broadcast journalism. And that was very accidental as well. I, in fact, took a test because I had no idea. I'm like, I don't know what I want to do for a living. I love these One tests. of those, like, career tests. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, those were my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> One of mine when I was in junior high was a clown. Oh, <laughs> why was that even on there? Oh, She's I don't fun. Know. She's I'm fun. fun. I don't yes. know. I think Brian was a teacher, but anyway. Well, yeah. in many ways, you're a teacher. Yeah. True. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, mine was, so it came back with a few results. One of them was PR. One of them was technical writer. And then the last option, oh, it was librarian. Mm. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. Cute. Maybe I'll wear like sexy, you know, glasses, put my hair in a bun. Like, I talk too much. So the library would have been work. filled with males, filled <laughs> to the brim. They're like, have you been to Nineveh's library? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. And then the last option was broadcaster. Mm. I didn't think anything of it. I was writing for the school paper. Got invited by the editor of the school paper uh, to an internship, open house internship at a television station and she said hey this is where I intern it'd be a cool internship long story short I was there for the PR department I went up to the table you know they had different tables for each department like news PR etc I go up to the PR table and the gentleman across the table I say hi I'm Nineveh and the first thing he said to me was have you ever thought of working in television news? <laughs> you just had the voice and the look. He was ready for it. <laughs> oh, honey, I made this voice. This was not my voice back then. The guy, I practiced a lot, trust me. <laughs> and he saw your potential in He that saw moment. the potential. So I said, no. And he said, well, I'll give you a deal. Oh. If you take the PR internship, a promise to shadow a news reporter for a day, it's yours. Wow. So we okay. made, we shook on that deal, and he reminded me during the internship, hey, remember that promise you made? Oh, God. I really have to shadow a news reporter. <laughs> That's how it began. I shadowed a news reporter, and I instantly fell in love with storytelling, broadcasting, Aww. and focused all my energy there for over a decade. It's wild that one person in the right place at the right time, and... That's I was woke. Cool. You got to be listening, right? Yeah. To what the universe is telling you. Ooh. Be ready for your next step, right? Mm -hmm. So smart. So you went on location with this broadcaster, fell in love with it. How did you end up from Northern California to Salt Lake City? So the way that it works in broadcast news is, you know, San Francisco is a pretty big market. So you would never start your career there because everyone is really seasoned. So you would start in a very small town typically and then move your way up. Right. Mm -hmm. So New York being number one, L.A. number two, it's based on population size. More eyeballs, bigger the market, the better you have to be. 
Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So go and make all your mistakes because you suck, basically, when you first start in a very small city. <laughs> so, yeah, I actually started my career in Yuma, Arizona. Whoa. It's like the armpit of the country. <laughs> like, I've never heard it's of it. It's awful. <laughs> cool name. Sorry. Actually, a lot of people in Utah, the elderly, will go to Yuma, Arizona. They're snowbirds. called snowbirds. Yes. <laughs> See? You my know. first college dorm hosted snowbirds during the summer. <laughs> So, Dee Dee's very, very familiar with Yuma. I know the snowbirds. <laughs> Never heard of Yuma, TVH. Yeah, so there are a lot of elderly people there. And, you know, elderly people are really nice. They're they very love forgiving. The news. Yeah, they love the news and they're very forgiving when you're up there stumbling and just... <laughs> There's this population of old people that love you. Yeah. yeah. Nineveh's number one fan. <laughs> we watched it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were sweet. It was a great time to start. Cute. I worked there for a couple of years for NBC. Oh, cool. And got a job offer here in Salt Lake City shortly after that. With Fox. With Fox, yes. So and where did you start with Fox? I was the 5 a.m. morning anchor Ooh. reporter. Oh. Yeah, brutal for three years. My are you up at 3 a.m. every morning? Girl, 3 a.m. Like, are you a morning person? Obviously. No, I'm not an anything person. I'm just, uh, you know, I'm a hustler. That's what I am. So you throw anything at me. That's why the the team that I'm leading now, when they're like, I'm tired. I'm like, I don't care if you're tired. Do the work. I used to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning, okay? I worked 12 to 16 hour days. I am pissed in bushes. (laughs) What you're doing right now? Wait, hard. How does that that translate to the 3 a.m. wake up call? fired up and we're like was that hard yeah it was hard everything's hard like there's no easy path to success right Uh, there is not you start pissing in bushes you know you're gonna make it somewhere yes (laughs) if you are willing to pee in bushes like you're you're set for life Honestly, you're making it somewhere, right? There's a direct correlation with it. I get it. So you're up at 3 a.m. <laughs> habits of successful people. I, I'm sorry, I want to clarify. It does. They do it have does. toilets do at Fox, by the way. They do have bathrooms there. This is when you're out reporting and okay, there you have nowhere to turn to. I was confused where that connected and now I so, understand. I'm, you know, as an anchor, but a news yeah. reporter as well. You're so out in the world There's reporting the events. glamorous You've got to get those it. stories, right? You've got to be the first one on there. It's like, like the mailman. Like, the noose does not stop. No, he does not wait for your diarrhea, okay? Oh there it is. There it is. This is so okay, good. Okay, I understand now. So. so, you're a hustler. You're up at 3 a.m. When did you make the transition? Like, when were they like, Nineveh, you are killing it? Because... Correct me if I'm wrong, but the news industry is a very... It's like a boys club, right? Mm-hmm. I'm more and more women now, I mean, in terms of on-air, are dominating. But in terms of executive leadership, the people that are making the decisions, it's, yeah, it's okay, more male-dominated than that arena. You're probably going to cringe, but how accurate is what happens in, like, the news life? How accurate is it to Anchorman? <laughs> Some I'm of it. obsessed with that movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the stereotypes come from somewhere, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, for me, I worked with an incredible team of professionals, you know, I felt like. And so, 
but we had anchor man woman moments on TV. That's what makes you human and fun to watch, right? Right. <laughs> uh, I think one of the things about the internet is that it's really humanized people and the news industry needs to catch up. So coming to a place like Utah and at the time, you know what the landscape looked like in broadcast. I was one of the first that I was on air. I remember talking about this with you. That was different, whatever yes. that means, you know, brown hair. I don't know. <laughs> Ethnic, right? Kimber, you asked me at what point did they come to me and say, you're doing great. Let's promote you. And yeah, let's me- get you out of the 3 a.m. Yeah. realm. I never <laughs> wait for promotions. <laughs> I don't. I went into that office and I said, when my three-year contract is up, either get me off the show and get me a promotion to make more money or I'm out of here. And that's how I operate. So Wow. Yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. I now, you got to ask for what you want. So I went from the mornings to the weekend evening. Okay. was making a little more. And after a couple years there, bored, I wanted that next step up. What was the next step up? And by this time I had met my now husband. So I knew we were going to stay in Salt Lake. I had a couple of offers from San Diego, Seattle. So there were opportunities, but I decided to stay. But for me, I always wanted to break that glass ceiling of entering a different income bracket. Okay. It was very important that I was going to earn six figures and above in my lifetime. And now I'm like six figures and you mean seven, eight figures, but (laughs) that's right. Ask for what you want, right? (laughs) Exactly. Or go get what you want. Go get what you want. And so for me, you know, I think a lot of people are waiting for opportunity to come to them, but you are the creator of your life. Yeah, so you have to visualize what it is that you want and go after it. So when I got the 4 p.m. show Monday through Friday, that show didn't exist. It wasn't a show, so it wasn't something that I could be promoted into. So how did I manifest that? I don't want to take the credit here, but I literally walked into the GM's office. I had heard rumors that we may be adding more shows someday. And I'm like, that someday needs to be like next month. Uh, I want my own show. Yeah. And just want to let you know what my career aspirations are. And yes. I love it. So make it happen. Are we making it happen? I'm following up with you. Are we making that happen? So yeah, you, you have to plant the seed and sometimes you have to create positions that don't even exist. That is, that's the T right there. I, have people ask me all the time, like, how did you get what you wanted? How did you create more Valletta? I'm like, nobody handed it to me. I said one day, Hey, I, I want to have a company and I'm going to make it happen. Like I'm going to do things that nobody else would do. I'm going to pee in bushes. I don't know. Like (laughs) (laughs) you can take that out, but I don't, I mean, I haven't, but I would just, My point is, is you're going to do whatever it takes when you have a vision in mind or when you know what you want or you know what that next step is, you're going to go in and ask for the 4 p.m. show, the show that doesn't exist, or you're going to make yourself into the next best version of yourself and whatever that is, like nothing's going to stop you from reaching that goal, but no one's handing you your, your map ahead of you. Right. You're making that right. all happen. Right. Right. That's so, oh, that's so inspiring. I love that. So... You obviously have this whole spectrum of like, you've gone to beauty school, you have, you know, your broadcasting background. Where does your heavy mindset of business come from? 
So I actually left the news industry to launch an online publication called Her Magazine. Yeah. And I got bit by the entrepreneurial bug because I wasn't really happy in broadcast news and I didn't really understand myself. Like, why am I not happy? I've got my own show. I'm making really good money and I just get bored easily. So if I'm not progressing, then clearly I have a problem with it. And plus going in and, and reading the teleprompter every day, it just seemed like I was doing the same thing every day. And so I thought also when I was looking at content, especially here in Utah, we were really missing the mark in the female space. So yeah. uh, some of the shows that we still have today in the television market, I feel like completely has disconnected from what the women are actually like in Utah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're very career oriented. I think even the stay-at-home moms are, you know, searching and wanting to, you know, add to their lives by doing yeah. something they're passionate about from home. So yeah. we're seeing a lot of that happen, right? We have some of the biggest Instagram influencers out of Utah and they began as stay-at-home moms and then yeah. like, I want to do this, I want to do that. So the women here have that drive and I felt like we're really not doing that kind of content. So I proposed, you know, doing that type of content, they... I didn't really get it. So I launched the publication because I was just pat. You remember because Kimber was part of the first issue, which was called you back then. And she wrote an article on, oh. on beauty for it. Yes. Cool. And thank you. It was so sweet of her. Can we find that and pull it out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd I think love it's to still on the website somewhere. Cool. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, when I launched the first issue, I was still working in TV and they were very upset that I was doing something on the side And I was crazy enough to think that I could just quit my job and launch a successful publication. No, (laughs) that's not crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. So I left, I mean, with a backup plan, I was consulting with a couple of clients on social media and discovered, okay, I've got a knack for social and content. I know this stuff. There's a need for it in the marketplace. I'll do the magazine. I'll get some sponsors. And so I did that for four years, but Uh, To be perfectly honest, my father's an entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur for over three decades. So I think seeing him in business too um, made me believe that I could do something like that. So I come from a family of of entrepreneurs as well. That's so cool. So you went straight from broadcasting, jumped into your own magazine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wild. What was it like doing the magazine? Like how has that whole journey been? I learned a lot, you know, because at first when you're starting something, it's all DIY, mm-hmm. do it yourself. You don't yeah. have a team, you don't have funding. You have to figure out how are you going to make money? I think that was my biggest struggle with her magazine was trying to understand what the business model was. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't want to go the sponsorship or the advertising route. And here's why, because advertisers and sponsors influence the kind of content you produce. Absolutely. So I was anti that. <laughs> And so more it was, I'm running a marketing PR, social media consulting firm, me, myself, and I helping other companies figure out their social strategy, their branding. And then on the side, I'm taking the money and pouring it into the magazine. So it's like separate. It's almost like you had a career to fund yeah, your you're, magazine. You're hustling and working. Uh, and at the same, I mean, Kimber will tell you she was doing lashes totally while building her yeah. business on the side. I mean, yeah. how else would you do it? You could go raise money, but you know, are you going to get investors to buy into a concept that isn't even born yet? 
No, they'd like to see the numbers. They'd like to see the business plan. Right. And there's something to be said. There's pros and cons to everything. I'm a a proponent of bootstrapping, which Mm -hmm. means you start from nothing and you build. Other people are proponents of investors. There's not really a right or wrong way to it. It's just what works for you. Like my experience is is hustling. You you start from nothing, you wear all the hats, you learn a lot, you take one source of like mine was like you said, I was lashing um and I took that source to put all that money into building Borboletta, just like you did. You consulted to put all that money into building your magazine. And it's expensive. Yeah. <laughs> so then you start hiring a couple of people for X amount a month, some consultants, some contractors to kind of help you begin to scale what you're trying to do because you have to create that leverage for yourself. Yeah. You can't be in all the doing forever. Mm-hmm. And once I started adding a couple of team members and really sold them on the vision of her magazine, and that's, I think, one of the biggest things as an entrepreneur is that you have to really believe in your vision and sell that vision to other people to have them buy into the idea so that they can hustle with you during that startup bootstrap phase. So I was fortunate enough for that. I had a phenomenal brand designer. He saw my vision and just, he's like, I'm, I'm just going to help you, you know? So awesome. So I appreciated that. So many people like that came into my life. I learned a lot in those four years about branding, about content, about SEO, about marketing, about how to build, you know, influencers. And the strategy for me in terms of growing that publication was the content strategy, which was featuring powerful women in business that had, you know, a little bit of a following, like, hey, they've got a great story. They've got a great business. How do we leverage each other? We feature this person. So it was very strategic about who I was putting on covers and and things like that. That's what fueled the organic growth ultimately. So, yeah. What inspired you to be like, I want to do a publication all about women in business specifically? Well, I remember when I was in college, when I was writing for that school paper, I had a desire and a dream to launch a magazine back then. And I remember opening up the a Microsoft Word doc and then typing Plum Magazine. <laughs> Plum. <laughs> and Plum I'm like, it just stayed blank. And I think I made the, the you know, uh, words purple. Plum. Of course. <laughs> and what so else? I think I remembered that dream, right? And I, working in media, still very passionate about content. I do so much content in terms of my career today. Content. Content. <laughs> Runs our lives. Content is king. Conversion is queen. Oh, oh I like that. Queen. queen makes all the money. Conversion, right? that's smart (laughs) write that down so with her magazine when did you decide after four years that like okay you know what like because you're like you've said a couple of times here today you're all about like progression Mm -hmm. and when Mm -hmm. you're feeling like you're ready for that next step how did you know it was your next step well running and building a business is very difficult I couldn't quite grasp what the business model behind her was Uh, I was getting a lot of ideas like we'll just remain a consultant start an agency go after sponsorship 
uh, do advertising. None of it sounded appealing to me. Mm -hmm. I just said, but I just really like doing the content. I love <laughs> seeing the strategic direction of this brand, <laughs> right? But it needs to make money. What is it? You know, do you, we tried so many different things like charging for the publication, having an app and I was testing the marketplace mm -hmm. and I think content is a really difficult thing to sell. You can't really sell content uh, because everyone's consuming it for free. So yeah. that has to be your freemium. That's the freemium model. What are you charging for on the back end? Yeah. Is it workshops? So I would, yes, I would do workshops. I would use the readership as like my lead generation mm -hmm. and then funnel money and sell on the back end, whether it was workshops or consulting services or cool. some sponsorship, right? Mm -hmm. Through that, one of the clients that I was working with recognize the talent and the, the niche that I had in the branding, marketing, PR side of things and offered me a full-time job as a vice president of marketing and PR at oh, their company. Really? So I put the magazine on pause just recently, this past December of 2018. I just had a baby girl. She's so cute. Gone through IVF. So trying to run a business and do consulting that I was offered this position and I thought this is a unique opportunity to continue to really learn and grow in business. Mm -hmm. And I was starting that department by scratch too. So I didn't walk into a company that had a team in place and strategies in place. It was, they had never done marketing before. It had never done PR before. It was like, here's the canvas. It's blank paint. And that really appealed to me. That's yeah, exciting. In yeah. The entrepreneur in me. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? I've learned a lot with her. I'm not quitting. I'm simply changing direction and mm -hmm. I'm going to keep persisting. And the opportunity I have with the company is really unique. So I think, you know, in about three to five years, I may be ready to venture out again and start a business and really understand what it takes to, to build a business. And now yeah. I'm seeing... Gosh, what does it take when you're looking at the balance sheet and managing a seven-figure-plus <laughs> budget yeah. yeah, and hiring people and onboarding them and driving the team and that leadership? That experience is so much different bootstrapping versus being with a multi-million dollar company. Yes, very so, different. Maybe when you go back, you can change the name to Plump. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, I have a question. Being in broadcast journaling, obviously, you are the face of a news station. Did you always feel comfortable in that position, or have you always felt comfortable in your skin? Have you always felt beautiful? Like, what has that journey been for you, and no. did it have any impact on you? No one ever does. I think the issue is that women, or we're looking at people once they're successful, never realizing the journey that they've been through. I was never a public speaker. I was never a person that saw myself of being on television. I wasn't some extrovert. I created that personality. Mm -hmm. So all through high school, I was shy, was not popular, was not the cheerleader. It wasn't any of those things. I didn't really have the like personality traits that you would associate with like a news broadcaster. So some people may be born naturally extroverted and they're talkative and, oh my gosh, you were born like that. It's a, no, I wasn't born that way. I just put a lot of work into practicing. So I'll give you an example of when I was an intern. There were a lot of interns at the news station that were studying broadcast journalism, but yeah. out of my graduating class, only two of us went on to become news reporters. Well, I can speak for myself that 
I put a lot of hours in the background in my internship at home. I would, when the newscasters were done with their newscast, I would go into the studio, grab the scripts out of the recycle bin, take them home and start reading them out loud. And I would try to mimic the news anchor. And I would do this every day for hours. I would record myself, watch myself. And I taught myself how to speak in that tone. You know, I was like my own coach. And I continued doing that throughout my career. So I'd watch, you know, CNN news anchors, Fox news anchors, whatever. And I would pick anchors that I really admired and wanted to be like. And I would listen to their tone and I would copy everything they would do. I would just try to mimic them. And so, yeah, no, I was never comfortable being on TV. I made myself comfortable. I was like, you will get comfortable. You will not get nervous. That's so inspiring because I can't tell you how many people I talk to that are like, oh, I wish I could be a public speaker, but I just get too nervous. Or like, I wish I could do this, but it's just not in my personality. And I felt the same way. That's very limiting. It is. And I felt the same way too. I used to say when I would get up and speak to a group, I would say, I'm a really awkward public speaker. And everybody would laugh and, you know, it was fine. It was like an icebreaker. And then I realized that I'm only as awkward of a public speaker as I make it awkward for people. And it's okay for me in my mind to know, hey, I might not be nailing it this time, but I'm going to keep going because this is what I ultimately want to do. And I'm going to figure out how to become a public speaker. And yeah, I feel the same way, Nineveh. I feel like I, I too am a little more introverted and I've had to force myself to get out of that shell and it's not always comfortable, but rarely do you ever find a person that's like, I'm so comfortable just standing up on a stage and performing or getting behind a, a camera or whatever it is. Like, I think that's such sound advice to so many people that you can look at everybody all day long that's doing something that's incredible to you that you want to do and you can say, I'll never get there because that's not in my personality. But have you ever thought to yourself, maybe that wasn't in their personality. How hard did they have to work to get to where they are today? Yeah, everyone does. I don't think it comes naturally to anyone, even an athlete, for example, right? They're putting in hours and hours of training and practice. You're just not naturally going to be in the NFL. Like my husband made it to the NFL. It's not, oh, it just happened accidentally. It was all just meant for him. He was born for it, you know? Someone just flew in and recruited him. They're like, hey, you look great. It sounds nice. (laughs) That's the fantasy that we want to live in. And what we don't realize is that it takes work. And even with public speaking, I found over time when I was, you know, a news reporter that it was a lot then because I became comfortable, easier talking on camera. Like, it ain't no thing. Put me on a podcast. I'll talk. I'm comfortable with this. Uh, Because now it's a part of my personality. It's a part of, I practice it so much. It's no big deal. But after television, I got asked a lot to do public speaking here locally Yeah, and it made me nervous as heck. My, it was like I had a panic attack every time before I would get up to talk to people. Mm -hmm. A whole new environment. Yeah. It was a whole new environment. It was live. It wasn't recorded. It wasn't written on a screen. You were talking for me to, to read. faces instead and of a camera. It wasn't live just for a couple minutes. It was all eyes staring at you for an entire hour. Don't pass out. <laughs> right? So I had to even work through that after my career where there's no script. Yeah. What do you do when there's no script? And then now, if you ask me to speak, um, I reframe it. Instead of saying I'm nervous, I say I'm excited and it's my 
body is preparing me to perform at an amazing level. I'm going to use this energy to get like outward of myself. Love that adrenaline. Use it. They, um, any performer that goes on stage actually has that. There's nobody in this world that walks up onto the stage and does public speaking and doesn't get the heart beating, the sweaty palms. Everyone gets it. It's normal. That's so good to know because I'm like, is this normal? <laughs> speaking in front of students even every time it makes you nervous. But yeah. that's such good advice too. Did your self-esteem play into that? Like, did you have to feel comfortable with who you were to put yourself on camera? Like, obviously there's the skill level of like talking in the tone and being comfortable on camera. But I feel like for a lot of people, it's like you have to be really comfortable with who you are. And so did you... Do you know where confidence comes from? What would you say? Confidence comes from competence. And the way that you build competence is through repetition. Okay. So it's being skilled and practicing that skill over and over again that continues to build your confidence. So as a public speaker or being on television, if I just do it once or a couple of times, it doesn't matter how confident I think I am. I'm not going to be very confident as someone who's done it for a couple of years or pushed themselves outside of their comfort zone and continued to speak. So anything that I do, if I am confident in my marketing and PR abilities as a vice president of, of a company, right? It's because I'm competent at what I do. I mean, that is where my confidence comes from. I know what I'm doing and I do it better than 99% of people. And I can comfortably say that because I know the work that I'm putting into it. You know, 24 seven, like there are people that do jobs and they're like, oh, I'm going to come in at nine in the morning and be done at five. Not my mentality. It wasn't my mentality in television. And so everybody can say, oh, she was a natural. Oh girl, I was hustling. I hustle at everything I do. So your confidence is going to come from that competence that you build, that skill set that you build over time by having a desire and a curiosity to always be learning and growing and in that specific field. I actually had someone come to me the other day on my team and say to me, I'm not interested in doing X position anymore because I feel like I get it. I feel like I've mastered it. I'm like, oh honey, you haven't mastered anything. (laughs) Like you just barely scratched the surface. Really? Okay. So never, yeah. Never think that you actually know everything about your position. That's like Kimber saying, well, I know everything there is to know to run a a business and grow a company and be a CEO. Well, there's that theory. I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head, but the more you learn about something, the more you feel incompetent. Maybe it's imposter syndrome. I don't know. But it's like the more you delve into a subject, the more you realize how much depth there is to it. Mm -hmm. And so you recognize how much room there is to grow. Yeah, so that's the humility of it, but then also recognizing that most people don't go that deep. And yeah. so now the confidence comes as you're like, oh no, you know, 95% of people are not doing what I'm doing. So I'm pretty confident knowing that because I wake up at four o'clock in the morning and I'm reading and I'm working and I'm thinking of strategies and I'm mapping them out on my wall. And then I'm, nobody else is doing that. I know no one else is doing. No one's willing to wake up at four in the morning. No one's willing to work 
from eight to 11 o'clock at night yep. it's after the their job is over. Yes. It's the weekends. passion that goes in behind it yeah. for sure. And I think to that point too, finding your confidence is not finding it in someone else. Mm-hmm. It's not coming in and waiting again, what you said, it's not waiting for someone to hand you something. And it's just like finding your confidence. You will never find confidence through someone handing it to you. If you're fishing for compliments or you're waiting for that promotion or you're waiting for someone to come in and tell you you're doing an amazing job and like, here you go, that's never going to happen. It's the people that are hustling. They're up at 4 a.m. They're finding the strategy. They're finding the passion. They're getting the depth to everything. Those are the people that are forever continuing to find their passion and everything. But those are the people that I feel like to a certain level, like you reach this point where people are like, you, you've hit the maximum amount of success or like you're successful. I don't believe that there, there's a cap on success. I, I don't believe that there's a cap on really anything. I think you go out, you get it, you find your own confidence, you find your own voice and you connect with the right people. And that's kind of the same thing I feel like with with beauty and with women in general. If you're always waiting for someone to say you're beautiful or, you know, give you a compliment on something, you're never going to feel fully beautiful about yourself, right? Like yeah. you've got to just feel that in yourself. So I'm interested, Nineveh, in as the person that you are and, and the confidence that you give off, what is that definition of beauty for you? Where, where do you find the true meaning of beauty? Loving yourself, right? I mean, the, the true definition of beauty is, is you feeling comfortable in your skin and loving yourself, no matter what that is to you and not somebody else's ideal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think we're seeing more of that come out today. Mm-hmm. With Instagram and people are expressing themselves yeah. the way that is authentic to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what beauty is. Yeah. It's your expression of who you are. And it's your job to figure out what that is. Yes. I think beauty kind of gets a bad rap with people think beauty on such a surface level. Mm-hmm. It's more than just about makeup. But even when you look at makeup and doing our brows or the color of our hair and you know, you have this whole movement of people saying, oh, you know, we're being influenced by this and this, and we don't really need this. No, we're human beings are simply using these tools like hair color and things to express ourselves and who we are at different stages in our life. It's like a representation of our personality. Yeah. So true beauty is being comfortable with that and doing that no matter what anybody thinks. Yeah. I love that. Love. Go get what you want. (laughs) I love how sometimes you like, you like zoom into the like microphone a little bit. You're like, get it. (laughs) It's when you're like really trying to send a message. (laughs) Just let it go. Get what you want. Nineveh, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram, of course, at Nineveh Madsen. I'm heavily involved on Instagram. I love doing the Insta stories. But you can find me on Twitter at Nineveh Dinha, which is my old last name. And that's pretty much it. I mean, otherwise you can't get a hold of me. I'm <laughs> too a busy. busy woman. <laughs> cool. Thank you so much for coming in and sharing your journey and inspiration with us. You're such a kick-ass lady. Thank you so for having me So it's been super awesome. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, thank you.
And thank you to everyone for listening. As always, you can follow us on Instagram at DefineBeauty underscore Borboletta, at Kimber Janes, and at Didi Monjar. Also at Borboletta Beauty. At, at, at. <laughs> and always, you can rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends. Yeah, girl. Bye. <laughs>